welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast, a podcast for farmers and ranchers ready to shift for a stronger future. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful are not. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, you'll hear how producers of all sizes and practices are moving mountains for things they believe in, all in the name of an industry that keeps growing and innovating for a stronger food system and stronger farm families. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to discuss where producers are finding success, challenging the status quo, striving for better, and keeping our heritage alive, all while producing the food we depend on. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. Today, I have Carissa Payne with me. Carissa is one of the faces behind Covey Rise Beef, and her and her husband are first-generation farmers that raise all of the dry-aged beef, pork, lamb, and chicken that their operation offers, Um, and they have recently moved to Kansas from Ohio, so lots of big changes underway. I'm so excited to share their story with you and how you guys have kind of taken the reins of your operation all the way from homesteading and kind of getting started small to growing what you, to what you are today. So welcome to the show, Carissa, and I'd love to hear more about how that story has unfolded for you. Yeah, so we, um, so originally we, my, I met my husband, he was homesteading, uh, we had about 50 acres at that time. Um, we were, we just started farmer's market and we were doing, um, chicken, eggs, and then, uh, sheep as well. And then it kind of started to expand that um, the first year we were dating in terms of I saw like all the potential we had, I kind of fell in love, not only with my husband at the time, but also like the farming life because I was working in government and like the dead center of Columbus, which is um, just, it's the complete opposite of where like the farm was at. at so it kind of like helped balance things out. And then um, after the first year, we um, decided, we decided we were going to expand. I went to... Um, Mary's course in California. I learned how to ship, and then we decided that we're going to have to expand because shipping is expensive. People, I think, don't necessarily always relate the upfront cost, and like everyone thinks it's a great idea because they have all these people interested in their product. Um, a lot of people are interested, I think, until they also like pay the shipping fee, which you kind of have to do because shipping is so expensive and it's a lot of cost that you kind of incur as a business. And so we decided to expand chickens at the time, which we went from like seven, six thousand chickens to decide like fifteen thousand, which is a big, big expansion. We probably should have—I don't recommend that. We probably should have done gradual um, because you go from like not only double processing, but like you also go from like a lot of feed expenses, is infrastructure, just a lot of expenses all at one time. So that was definitely a learning experience. We also bought and expanded to 54 acres. So we sold the old farm, decided to invest everything we had into, um, into that 54 acres in terms of infrastructure. So that meant water, electricity, uh, fencing, just all the things we didn't have. Um, and in order to do that, we sold the old farm. So we didn't have a house. So we decided we were going to build. Um, they kind of in the meantime, my husband lost his job. So we <laughs> didn't have that income to build a house. We took all the extra money we had to keep fitting with infrastructure. And 
from there, we, uh, we, we lived on the farm, we lived with some friends, and then we had two kids, and then we moved to the place in town, again, putting everything we had into our farm. And kind of like, in the meantime, Columbus is just expanding, so if you guys know anything about the Intel deal, they basically bought a bunch of farm ground, which then, in Ohio, which then raised the cost of farm ground for farmers, so farmers, a lot of farmers are either selling out, or they um, you know, can't afford to expand, especially if you are first generation like us. Like land is, you know, it's expensive in general, but then to rent it, most of the time you can't afford it because the price of the rental ground, you know, you can't pencil it. So we couldn't afford to expand and buy more ground, and a lot of the land we were renting for uh, for all of our like hay production, um, we were hearing that it was going to sell. And it wasn't going to sell to Intel, but because it was going, because Intel drove up the price, it was going to sell to like other basically bigger corporations and like housing complexes. And it was just basically expanding all the way into Delaware County, which is where we were at. And so like long term, my husband and I like looked at each other and we had you know, two kids, or at the time we had like one, we were pregnant with our second, and we decided that we could be kind of like a hobby farm where people would come and have like a petting zoo and like we could sell other people's products but ultimately like my husband really enjoyed we just got started in the cattle he really enjoyed raising cattle um that's kind of where his heart is at so he did not want to um he did not want to you know that's not what his goals were um he wouldn't be happy i guess i should say there's nothing wrong with that but that's just not where his heart was at and so we decided that if we were going to do anything, we needed to make a move. So we started looking at other farms, like basically all across the U.S. And then we decided to realize that one, like it's going to be more money because more infrastructure. Like we don't have the equity because we are first generation farmers. And um, my husband went to school with um, with a guy who is a generational farmer. They are looking to expand. But they don't have a paper because it's in the center of Western Kansas, where not many people want to move. And um, we got approached for basically an opportunity where my husband could work um, work with him um, in exchange. Like he wouldn't get paid, but we could use all of their equipment. So we could use tractors, combines. We also could use like their labor, their knowledge, their shop. So basically, it'd be a partnership where we could rent ground here, um, still raise cattle, and get to use all their equipment, which is not really heard of in terms of the agricultural world and especially in Ohio where things that obviously we're getting more and more competitive and we don't have um we didn't have like friends anymore in farming they kind of passed on so we were kind of like in a desert in Ohio and we moved uh, to kind of like the desert in a way it's very much high compared to Ohio um but we have so much more community here than we did in Ohio so it's kind of like a trade-off we definitely um we definitely changed a lot of like what we were in terms of working. So like we sold pretty much everything we had because it's not like the cost of transport like a lot of our equipment out here wasn't cost effective. Um, we did transport the cattle um, in our stock trade, but that was pretty much it. Like here, our businesses kind of changed. So like we went from growing just um, we went from growing chicken, pork, beef um, to here in Ohio. Now we've transitioned to. Um, as of right now, just the beef and the pork. And then I would like to add back in chickens, but just the commodity scale and the infrastructure and the time commitment and labor, which was also a huge way for us. Um, I hope to dive back into, but um, it'll just kind of depend on how like our family grows and our business transitions uh, into that. Uh, kind of 
wanted to keep things, I think, going for us, like just because it is a transition for a meat business. Um, we kind of had to figure out how to diversify income. So something we added when we moved here was um, background in cattle and the grain operation, which the grain operation hasn't started yet. We're still waiting on our um, our property in Ohio to sell. So once that sells, then we'll rent ground here um, because you kind of need <laughs> you kind of need some equity in terms of line of credit and you know, seed costs and all of those things. But again, as a beginning farmer, you don't <laughs> you don't think about you have to own something to be able to um, to be able to get that line of credit to be, be able to farm. But um, it'll come in God's timing, of course. But it's just a lot of patience, a lot of waiting, and a lot of praying <laughs> because you basically we moved here in terms of hoping that we would have that diversification because we kind of knew we needed it. Um, and then in terms of like operational, like we knew we would have a transition between our big business, but um, we like we needed the income, so like we're still like trying to grow grow the meat business and keep everything kind of going. But thankfully, the diversification with the background has really helped us because if not like we wouldn't um we didn't even pay our bills so it definitely has helped to have a study well that's an incredible story um so i guess first the nugget here is if you're looking for a farm in ohio you need to call carissa for sale um and then the other thing is holy cow you guys underwent a huge amount of change in that time frame um, so, like, from start to where we are now, about how many years was that? Oh, goodness. Um, I came to the math top of my head. So, 20, we, he started as a hobby. So I would say really a business. We were, like, 2018. So, whatever 2024 minus 2018 is. Like, uh, I always have to go by my kids. I can't remember the dates and time Six years. So, six yeah. years we went from pretty much, you know, 15 acres to four acres to now a little bit different in terms of like farming but hopefully a few hundred acres um once the uh once the farm sells so it's definitely been a big transition the last six years we were like just dating farming small acres to two kids married and moving across the u.s yeah no kidding um so one thing that i feel like came up a lot in that story and how it unfolded is that you guys had to be very flexible in making your goals happen and you had to trust a lot that things were going to work out through that process because there were a lot of things out of your control what was that like yeah honestly um there's been a lot of tears a lot of praise just because i think that you know your weather i think for us was a huge thing like in ohio it just it wouldn't like during the time that we were raising chickens it wouldn't stop raining um, which meant that we were working with the ground that wasn't, um, the ground was just unhealthy when we first got it. So we had to really like build off the soil off so that way it would properly drain. And I think that part was really tough because it was like, we, we could do everything we wanted to. We could have a good brooder, we could have a good setup, like we could, you know, I don't know, you could, you know, trim, but not, you could, you don't have to till it. Like we did all the things, right? That we wanted to, um, but unfortunately, like, you were just left up to mother nature. If it rained, it rained. Like there wasn't anything you could do. It just takes time. And I think so many things in the farming, like we just want everything to happen right now. I mean, I know I do. Like I want my kids to be potty trained now. I want, <laughs> I want my cells to go from, you know, 10,000 to 30,000 overnight. And unfortunately, like you have to just, I think, be patient and know that like 
if you if growth overnight isn't sustainable, um, and you're like if you my husband always gives me the analogy of like if you if you doubled your sales overnight, could you like fulfill those orders as quickly? And I'm like, well, maybe not. And they're like, you're probably right. Like I think so many times you have to trust that you know the timing is it's the way it is for a reason because unfortunately steady growth is better growth and you get things in place because of it. So I think if we would have if we would have moved here our first year of our marriage, I think, you know, it would not, I would, our marriage wouldn't be where it is today. We've really grown a lot. Um, our business has grown a lot. I think our marriage has grown a lot and our relationship and that type of thing has, has definitely been strengthened through having to like work together and rely on each other. I mean, when you don't, neither of us had family in Columbus. Um, we had friends that we established, but no family. Here we don't have family either, but at least our family was a little bit closer in our own. And I think knowing how to rely on each other to get even the basic things done, like if you had a hard day or, you know, you had to scrape by to, you know, to grow something or to do something, we could at least we had each other. I think that that definitely helped us get here um, because it's, it's tough. I would say a lot of people, I think, go into like home setting and they get excited and they have all these ambitions. But I think you sometimes you kind of get swept up into the idea and like knowing you have to have a good foundation because whether you're having a backyard garden or you know you want to start a grain operation, like you still have to have a good life because life and farming is tough. Everything is out of your control. Whether uh, a cow could die for no reason, yeah, I don't know, a tornado could go through. Like you have to have a good, good whole life and a good need to be able to um, to be good in your job. Absolutely. I think that's a very underrated aspect of farming and homesteading is that the partnership that you enter it with is incredibly valuable. Um, and it is is hard to maintain that when there's so much maybe discouraging things going on to like just stay open and communicative with who you're going through that with so that you can always rely on each other to get through that. It is so hard. But um, it sounds like you guys have had a great journey through that. Um, like you said, that your relationship was strengthened because of the things you went through, which is, I'm sure is an incredible feeling to, to have that. So that's awesome. Um, you talked about when you guys started, that you started with poultry and made a huge jump at one point. First of all, let's just think about those numbers. Very few people, I think, see 6,000 birds at one time, let alone 15,000. Were you guys doing this like in groups that you were growing these out or talk a little bit more of what that looked like for you guys? Yeah, so group-wise, it would be, um, we started in a group, we started, we actually did a chain of brooders at about 500, um, it was 500 birds per brooder. Um, so batches of a thousand. Um, we had four chicken tractors, like huge, large greenhouses. We grew about 500 each greenhouse. We had, would do batches of like one section of the pasture was one batch, and the other section was the other half. So we would take them all into butchering about a thousand at a time. Um, and it definitely like fruiter infrastructure, uh, eating like keeping the moisture down, keeping the temperature right with that many birds is definitely a trick that we had to learn because when you have a few birds, like huddling isn't as bad, but when you get a few hundred birds huddling, that definitely could be uh, a game changer in terms of like 
um, overall greater health and just um, bird health as well. So we had in sourcing that many was top two. So we had to like give a little bit more leeway in terms of like pricing because you can negotiate it because you have a larger batch size. Um, but still being able to like find a company that one can deliver a healthy number to you in a quick in a fashion because you can't transport that many birds in the back of your pickup anymore. Um, because that's just a lot of crates. So we actually had them delivered to us from a uh, hatchery in PA. So they were delivered to our farm, which was super nice. We didn't have to transport them, but we, we, we would have to transfer them to the butcher. So then getting that many crates and then loading them out was tough because we did it all by hand in terms of loading them out to pasture, but then loading them then for butchery. Um, we would have some high school kids to help us because it became like, too much because want to be quick and fast and you want to do it right fast, but you don't want to work too late. You have two kids that are like crying and then go home for the day. So yeah, we got high school kids definitely helped us transition um, for like the loading out portion. And then my husband always on the night before, um, so that way they could just be there. And then he would he worked really closely with our butchers. So they were actually uh, he would just use their skid loader or their uh, like lift. And unload the crates and then put them in their shop and then they would be ready for the next morning. So that was nice in terms of um, that flexibility. So you didn't have to get out like two or three in the morning to get them delivered. Yeah, that's awesome. And the fact that you guys were able to find a local butcher to work with on that many birds is also incredible. Uh, I think they've transitioned. Um, like a lot of butchers, you know, like chicken butchers in general, like processors have transitioned to like they kind of like it's harder now I think for some people to get into them just because of the fact that um they transition to a lot of like bigger producers um because it's easier for them in terms of like the processing schedule um so I think it's getting harder if you don't have a relationship with a butcher I mean thankfully Ohio still has more butchers than state I think that's another thing that people kind of forget about is butcher like especially USDA butcher is really really hard to find and get in the schedule you can't just call and say hey I want a butcher it's it's usually like a year in advance that we all our butcher dates. Which is a lot of planning um, required, especially for birds where you're on a shorter growing timeline there. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so a lot of folks, I think, kind of get introduced to homesteading through chickens, but you guys just went all in. What were some of the biggest learning opportunities that you saw when you scaled that much? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that we've learned is like efficiency. Um, like efficiency is key. So like the way we were feeding, um, you know, six thousand birds wasn't going to work for fifteen thousand birds. Um, and you can only do like you can only work yourself so hard before one you get burned out and feel like you just you know you kill your body because there's only so many hours in the day. And I think looking back, that's one thing I wish we would have realize a little bit quicker um, in the first few years, but obviously again, it takes time to like to learn to get that knowledge. But yeah, I would say efficiency is huge in terms of like your growing capabilities. Like there's a reason why um, people have automatic feeders and water is because like you will you will basically kill yourself watering automation early on, even with six thousand birds, which I wish you would have. Um, your life will be a lot easier when you do decide to understand. And you'll have more time to market those 6,000 birds and like do other things that you previously or you currently don't have time for. Um, I think 
I know when we were doing the 6,000, I felt like that off season, we just really like wanted to like not veg out, but like just kind of like decompress because like you've worked yourself so hard that entire year during chicken season that like those few months, you just kind of needed that time to recover. Um, whereas when we transitioned to the 15,000, we had some more automation. I felt like we worked, well, we had cattle, so we still worked through the winter, but I felt like we had more time during the off, like during our off season and even our working season to really focus on marketing our stuff because we weren't like we were feeding chicken all day long or watering chicken all day long because they were out. Um, and there's like little tricks and things I think that if you explore and dive into, you can do cost effective. So like we did uh, the drip waters through um, we installed water lines ourselves, and you know, like a lot of these products you can't pay. You know you can't afford to pay someone to come out and install because it's not cost effective. But if you like YouTube enough and you get creative, or you find someone who's willing to help you, um, you know you can rent an excavator for like a few days or a week, and you can dig your water trenches for your water lines. And we did like quick connects and stuff like that, and just use water hoses, um, which made life a lot easier in terms of keeping cows, cattle waters. Um, filled uh, and you know sh- the sheep especially because sheep need you know more water consistently and and the same thing with chicken so we did the, the ball waters that have constant water which is water is key for chickens you. in terms of like the more water um the more water they get the better they eat the better they grow um so yeah that's I would say water and feed are key in terms of expanding and becoming more efficient uh, with your with your homesteading operation or your farm in general. I'm so glad you could join us today. You can support the mission of the Farming on Purpose podcast and be part of the tribe dedicated to building ag legacies at farmingonpurpose.com slash shop. You'll find apparel, office supplies, stickers, planners, and more all inspired by the people living out ag legacies every day. Those are great tips. I think the automation and like the little things that make life easier are things that some of us like put off for so long because we're like, oh, I don't have any money to invest in that. Or that's, you know, it's like it shortens my task by 10 minutes. Like I can do it for 10 minutes, you know, or whatever. But it is Mm -hmm. that burnout. It's all the little things that add up over time and it just really wears on you and then you don't have the bandwidth to get what is well deserved out of your product because you don't have the mental capacity at that point (laughs) to market it so that that's a great tip i love that one um when you guys started to diversify like you said into the cattle and the lamb and pork how did you make those decisions as to what you wanted to tackle next yeah i think lamb for us was um we had, we knew like our small acreage, it would work for it. Uh, we knew it'd be good for soil health. We knew it'd work well with chickens. Um, pork, we saw a market of no one, no one doing pork. We knew that it would, we would kind of filter into the new farm that we were getting. They had a lot of wooded area that needed to be like cleared out. And there's no better way to clear a wooded area than pigs. Uh, and so we got a few pigs, fell in love with them, um, fell in love with having pork at home. And then just decided we like we're gonna keep you know keep expanding it, keep growing it as we were selling pork. I would say we did a gradual increase just because like we kind of learned from other app like other business avenues with the lamb and the chicken. So you needed a market before you expanded. So as we we were thankful that as we um, 
you know, as we dove into pork, we grew with the market, our local market grew, our online market grew. So we had a, um, we had an outlet for the increased production. Um, we did do like sales first and I would recommend not doing that. Um, we learned from, you know, farrowing is tough and we would have been better off to do feeder pigs to start off with. Um, but I do love baby pigs. So like, I can't say, I can't say no to baby pigs. Um, starting off, I would recommend feeders just because it gives you a chance to like slowly get familiar with pigs and learn how pigs are. And, you know, in your current setup, because sows could definitely be tough on fencing and infrastructure if they're, if they're not familiar with the area. But we, um, yeah, I would say start with, start with feeders if you're going to do pigs, but then, um, definitely you can work into sows. Like we fair, we didn't have a barn. I don't think you need a barn to farrow pigs. Um, it makes it nice, but you don't have to have it. I think we went into it thinking that like we had to have all these different things because we saw other people have them. And the reality is that you start with, you can start with very little with pigs and kind of pigs are a great way to grow your like homestead or your farm because they take little infrastructure. That's really neat that you guys were able to see that market and then expand to take advantage of it. Um, as you guys have grown from an outsider's perspective, it probably kind of looks like a really awesome growth journey of like, oh, you started on 14 acres and you had slowly added like more species and then you got to your 54 acres and now you guys have like leveled up again. Um, but I'm sure it didn't feel like that in the process. Um, and I think that a lot of folks that listen to this podcast can kind of um, sympathize with that journey of like to the outside, it probably looks really successful to the person going through it and seeing all the things that are like, oh my gosh, I wish this didn't happen this way, or I wish this went <laughs> different. It's completely different, like inner story. How have you guys tackled like staying positive and keeping that mindset to keep pursuing this? Yeah, it's been, it's been a long six years. Um, it feels longer. I feel like I've definitely aged from it. Um, I think the reason, a good way you can stay positive is the fact that, um, like we have our girls and like, we know, you know, we know we need to be happy for them. And I don't know. I feel like every time that we've felt discouraged, I've kind of joked and grinned my face and I like, I've been given a sign or something, something has happened to make me see like the light. and we've kind of, I would say our marriage key for that because I feel like there's been times like when one of us has to give up, the other's there to kind of help lift you up. And we'll have, we were surrounded by um, friends who have basically said, you know, look at this that's happened or look at this that's changed. Like we're, we're very, very, very blessed to move to a town that literally, I don't even know, three months, four months, we've only been here that we are already backgrounding a lot of cattle and almost at capacity. Like that just doesn't happen, especially in a town where nobody knew us. Um, so I would say that anytime that we felt discouraged or something has like went wrong, um, we've just been able to, there's always something positive. There's like, no matter what is happening in your life, like I look at people who are, you know, have going through a lot of health issues, like there's, they can still see the light. So if they can see the light, their life is a lot worse than mine. Um, in that current situation, you know, I can find something positive in my day. And yeah. So kind of a a roundabout answer, but yeah, I feel like definitely have to have like a, like it's definitely a mental struggle um, in terms of farming because there's been times when, don't get me wrong, like we realized that we could 
easily give up, go to a nine to five job, bring home a steady income, have a house, you know, have all the things our kids could ever want desire. Um, but instead we're choosing to give our kids, you know, a different life where they value everything they have and they see the hard work and they have freedom that other people dream about. And to us, that matters a lot more than ultimately, I think it goes back to the long answer is ultimately goes back to our kids, like the life we want for our children. So that would be a rural life with surrounded by community, love, friends. Um, I think that matters more to us than, you know, objects we could have in a, a nice, you know, a nice landscape subdivision that's like this, this matters more. So, yeah. Well, I think it takes a lot of courage to continue to pursue that when society around you clearly prioritizes other things. It takes a lot of courage to kind of step out and say, no, this is what matters to us. And we're so sure of it that we're going to do whatever it takes to keep this going and grow it and give that life to our kids. So that's really awesome. Um, Now that you guys are moved and in Kansas, well, I'm pr- uh, if you're anything like us, we moved in August. Um, I don't feel like we're fully moved yet. It's it's a work in <laughs> progress. So I'm curious if you have any tips for moving in to the farm after you get there. Yeah, I'd say moving. So we had a weird transition when we did move. Um, like I thought I had like our, all of our, like get rid of as much as you can um, in terms of we've, I've really simplified our life here in terms of like if I don't love it I'm going to donate it if it doesn't sell like if it if I even though I think like it should sell for like X I just instead of keeping it and hoarding it or hoarding it for like a time that I may use it one day I'm just going to donate it to somebody who actually will love it use it I think that is key in terms of packing and moving and transitioning finding things you love and then if you don't have the money to buy the set items you love like just waiting because you probably can do without um we were kind of different in terms of when we moved here, all of our, uh, all, we moved in September and all of our stuff, like majority of our stuff, I would say like 99% of our stuff was stolen. Um, so that was tough because we're moving to a new state, all of our like clothes and furniture and all the things that we like, we're going to set up our house with, we're all gone. <laughs> yeah. Oh so that was, <laughs> yeah. So we were, we did not expect it, but we were, we stopped overnight and, um, uh independence missouri we thought like it was a nice hotel it was great um my father-in-law drove the u-haul my husband drove the stock trailer and then i drove my new truck calling our market trailer and our market trailer and stock trailer were fine which had like bigger things in it that we'd had in storage or like pools and that type of thing um some shipping supplies but like even our business stuff was all in our u-haul so i would recommend packing tip for my experience apparently you take like a they're the um the air pod or air tag and you hide them in your stuff because do not count on you all tracking because they usually disable it um so i do recommend air tags now from that i also recommend like just downsizing and figuring out things you like but i will say you can do a lot in that time period in terms of um in terms of just simplifying so like we learned once we got here once we had to start all over <laughs> we realized there are a lot of things we didn't need that we thought we did um so yeah it, i would say air tags would be my moving experience advice and then simplifying to find things that you like because the truth is like a lot of things you think you need you don't um so moving has taught me that and when i plan when we first moved in i plan to like repaint our entire house like there's all these projects i wanted to get 
to dive into. Um, but that kind of went on the back burner when I was like, oh, we got to find a computer. We got to find a printer. We got to find all these things I didn't. Um, didn't know I needed to buy <laughs> or didn't need at the time. But then I, now I did. So, yeah, I definitely would say simplifying has been huge. Um, finding pieces that you like and learning to do without because there's a lot of things we don't need. Like we, we, we don't use our dryer anymore. It broke in October. I don't fit. I love the fact that I'm just like hanging my clothes up. We like wear less clothes. Um, we can fix it. It's probably like a cheap fix, but I'm like, why fix it? If I fix my dryer, I know I'm going to use my dryer and I don't really want to use it. So, um, yeah, I think in terms of simplifying, you really, you can kind of do with, without and just, it takes time to find out what like what drawers in your house work. So don't buy a bunch of stuff ahead of time because at the end of the day, like if those baskets you bought that you thought would fit may not actually fit and, you know, fit in those drawers or cabinets and you'll li- realize that your, your family's needs change as your home, your home changes. That, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to go through that. That sounds absolutely horrible to already be like in a hectic season of moving mm-hmm. and then like, Oh, and now all your stuff is gone. <laughs> great. <laughs> wow. Um, that's a great, I, I love that you are just deciding to not fix your dryer <laughs> so that you won't use it. I do the exact same thing. Like I'm trying to make more stuff from scratch in the kitchen. And so I'll like force myself to like run out of it. It's like, okay, it's gone. Now I have to make it from scratch. I can't go buy it, <laughs> which is sometimes good and sometimes not good when we get into the last minute and my kids are hungry and I'm like, oh. I am going to need an hour to make this pasta and not five minutes. <laughs> but I think it teaches you to like how strong you are and like how strong your kids are. Because I feel like I become like my kid loves those yogurt pouches. They're like shelf stable. Yeah. Like she is like probably addicted to those. Um, <laughs> and in the morning, like before daycare, it's easy, right? I would grab one off the shelf, but like they are expensive, you know? Like, yeah. and I realized like they, one, they add up to our grocery bill because like, $13 for a box of pouches that last her probably not even a week if she really wants them. And I like started realizing like, there's so many things in our house that like I could make her like a banana bread or a pumpkin bread that like I make and it actually does last us all week. Mm. And it's healthier for her and it's like not cluttering up, like, cluttering up our house in terms of boxes, which I boxes, I loathe them. Like anything that's in a box, they usually take it out. But yeah, I feel like there's so many things like you realize that you can do without or like cut your budget down and live a little bit more simpler life. And then you, I feel like you appreciate it more, right? Like my kid appreciates the, she doesn't waste the pumpkin bread because, you know, she helped make the pumpkin bread or or she sees it there. And it's like a fun thing that we did together. Um, Like household supplies, I'm running low on dish soap. And I'm like thinking, do I make my own bar of soap? Do I go buy more soap? Like, is it cost effective or would I just like you waste it less if I'm making it? Um, so yeah, I feel like there's so many things that you realize and it's not something that again, it happens overnight. It's a gradual transition. So like we started making our own bars of soap. I started making my own tallow. I started, you know, I started doing all these little things, I think gradually that are creating like a more holistic home, but it definitely takes time and you appreciate everything you have a lot more. Like, I appreciate the meal we have. Like I waste a lot less food because I either we either grew it or like, you know, we're making it from scratch. Um, there's a lot you can do with flour, corn, starch, and butter. That is really true. I love like using those base ingredients and just they work for everything. Um, but yeah, it definitely does 
take time and I love the challenge of it. It's just like, oh, what if, what if I could just make that myself and then I don't have to buy it? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun to figure out. Oh gosh. Well, okay. So you guys have, you spoke a little bit on, since you guys have moved, you guys have been backgrounding cattle and have been blessed to take on um, the customers for the custom feeding there. What's that been like? What's kind of your next step that you're moving into as you get more settled and things get going? Yeah. I mean, we will, we have a, uh, we have a feed truck that was, um, that we use as part of my husband's, like the grain operation deal. It's weird. They had a truck, they're not using it. Um, but it definitely has seen, it's definitely well loved. Um, so I'm hoping we can get a, um, I'm hoping this year we can finance a, a, like a feed truck that's like more cost effective for us because right now it's, she doesn't have the feed truck. We call it her. She doesn't have brakes. Um, <laughs> She has been like rebuilt inside, like they've welded the entire bottom. Um, we got, we did get new scales because again, a feed efficiency is more cost effective. Um, we would like to find more grass for our monocows. So that's like another big portion because grass is really hard to find out here. So sourcing that kind of working with more people, we'd like to expand more of that. Um, so feed trucks, more grass, definitely the grain operation and hopefully expanding more for our meat business because like our meat business is steady, but like, we have the ability now to grow more cows and like grow more, raise more beef and pork. So I'd like to like push into finding more, um, finding more families for that, which is again, again, founding relationships and expanding that here and then again across the U.S. Well, very cool. That'll be exciting if you guys can upgrade the feed truck. I know the, I know the pain of a truck that has questionable brakes, <laughs> not no brakes, but questionable brakes. So I feel you there. Um, that's really, really exciting though. I'm just so happy for you guys that you're growing and seeing where things take you as you expand. Um, yeah. I think seeing those things out into the world like this sometimes too can be helpful. So you never know what happens. Maybe somebody will hear this episode and give you a call with some grass. <laughs> Here you to rent. Who knows? Fingers, fingers, fingers crossed. Things happen overnight. But yeah, I think I think going to like our like future. I think one thing from when we originally started to now again goes back to that feed efficiency. So the feed truck will be huge. Um, we we are blessed though. We we partner with Gallagher. I don't know if you um, know the Gallagher product. So we, we're um, we're part of their like ambassador kind of homesteading program. So we've worked with them to get um, scales set up for our shoot to then weigh our cattle. You know, like again feed efficiency i think we're adding eid tags this year for the cattle so again um, more feed efficiency in terms of like growth we don't like we're kind of i would say different in terms of our operation compared to some of like other you know producers and the fact that we'd rather do like a longer steadier growth we don't want like the globular fat we like we like the well marbled which then takes a little bit more time so like being able to determine like weight and kind of continue to lengthen that grow time out is important for us. So the IDs and um, the weight system is really, really important. Um, and then here, I guess here at the farm, we'll be hopefully adding more fencing and um, more infrastructure here for the pigs that will start this spring. So that's another fun project. I think that we're going to dive into hopefully between planting and harvest. Yeah. Always lots to do always new steps to conquer. Um, you mentioned earlier in the episode that you had attended the Five Marys Farms course and you're the second person yeah. we've had on the podcast that has attended that. 
Um, do you want to tell folks just a little bit about what you got out of that and how your experience yeah. Yeah, I think any anytime you want to grow your business, I think is great. I think before like I've taken several different courses. Um, I think the five Mary is great in terms of shipping. Like if you really want to ship your product, Mary provides pretty much a blueprint of how to do it. Like where to get your supplies, how to pack your box, how to tape your box, how to ship your box. She has been a great resource for that. Like her and her husband are a great resource in terms of like starting a business, expanding a business and moving to a different avenue. I will say going like as you dive into like expanding a business or even starting a business the biggest thing that i felt like none of the courses and they've all talked about it and like mary could mary talked a little bit about it when i when i went to um, when i went to her course but i don't think a lot of people emphasize enough is that it does take capital so like you are starting a business you really like that that year that you want to start it save as much as you can pay off as much as you can and like do without so that way you have more resources because, you know, shipping any type of business and marketing is huge. Um, you need capital. Like, and if you don't have something to utilize for that, it, you're not going to go as far. But I think if you go into the course with with a little bit of a nest egg, some money, I think if you're hungry, I think that's something not people emphasize enough is you have to be hungry and you have to want to put in the work because each of these courses, including Mary's, they give you the blueprint for how to but you have to have capital and you have to be hungry and want to put in the work. It's not just going to be like an instant get rich quick and it's not going to be an instant like success. Um, They give you the tools, but you have to be like willing to put in the time. And I think so many of us like want to do, like we want to put in the time, we want to do these things, but sometimes we don't actually make it into our schedule because it's tough. We're balancing, you know, our home life, we're balancing our work life and we're balancing like the homesteading, growing that portion of our business. So I think, no, if you go into it with the mindset that one, I need to have some nest eggs, some capital, I need to, and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean like twenty thousand dollars. That could be five thousand dollars or two thousand dollars. But if you go into it knowing I need a nest egg, I need to put in the hours and work hard, you'll succeed. You can take like her her course is a blueprint for like how to succeed if you're willing to have those two things. I think going into it. That's an awesome point, and I think that's very valuable. Uh, for people to kind of evaluate where they enter or how they enter homesteading and farming is how much capital do you have to work with at that point and how much can you get when you're ready to jump to the next level. Um, One other thing I wanted to touch on is what that has looked like for you guys when you decided to leave Ohio with the Intel and the corporation's land prices there. Has that affected you guys? now as you're trying to sell that property and what was that like to be part of that as it was all blowing yeah. up um i think it it was very it was kind of like frustrating because i think we went into it like knowing that when we bought that farm we wanted it to be like our forever home like we got married there um we had hope to raise our children there like really started to really enjoy the convenience that we were like in the country but also like you know, 30 minutes from Columbus and like everything you could ever imagine. Um, I think it it was frustrating that aspect, but then also like humbling enough to know that like we built something from, we, we could do it. We don't, I don't, I don't necessarily want to like do infrastructure over again because it is a lot of work. Um, it was definitely humbling in that aspect, um, but it also like took us all by surprise because I think it made us realize again, like how much of this life is out of our control. Like we couldn't control Intel. I mean, it helped a lot of businesses in the area. Um, 
helped a lot of people, especially like contractors and any type of people with skilled trades, like their businesses skyrocketed overnight. Um, the cost for labor for us went up. So we started to realize, like, again, we were to stay there, like, every time it kept going higher and higher and higher, like we were paying $20 an hour for farm help. And that's not really sustainable. Like, for us, it wasn't just starting out. Um, our daycare was higher. So like, we were weighing daycare and babysitting costs, like we were paying almost, I think, three times what we're paying now for childcare. And then the competitiveness for childcare because they would fill up so much quicker. We couldn't get like preschool was cost of abortion if we went to send our kid to preschool. And taxes kept going up. Just so many things I think led to our move and made us realize it was our best choice. But I think there's a lot of farmers that in that area that can't afford to expand. And I think like long term if the business hurt the ag industry. I mean it definitely helped other industries. But it definitely it definitely hurt the ag industry for sure. Um, and that was kind of like disheartening a little bit. Um, still kind of in the waiting game because I feel like so many of those, like we've, le- we've learned now that like some of these real estate people um, can be a little greedy. So like they'll go to like the old mom and like offer her a low bottom dollar because they don't think that she knows any better. And they'll basically, I basically steal her farm from her in terms of like, they know what the value of that property is and they will get much less because they're just not good souls. <laughs> um, so like bigger companies, bigger companies and the corporations, like they didn't want our farm because like when we knew what it was worth um, and to like acres size, like we were a niche market, right? 54 acres isn't like a thousand acres and it isn't, you know, a few hundred acres. Um, so like we're in that in-between phase, which is kind of frustrating because like a homesteader can't afford it because, you know, 54 acres of that price, like us, like is a lot of money. And then your bigger corporations may not want it, but we're kind of in that in-between market where someone wants it as an investment, like it's only going to go up in value. So anybody who like has extra income that wants to like lower their tax basis, people are in like a wealthier market, they'll want it as either a home or like a homestead or just as an investment property. So I guess that it's been enlightening to realize who seeks out land, why they buy it, and then the type of people you're looking for to buy it. So it's definitely been a learning curve. (laughs) Real estate is not a business I want to get involved in ever again, in terms of like that market. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's been a learning curve for sure. Yeah. It's crazy how much, like you mentioned, all of the things compound when something like that happens and how it can like completely change the culture of a town just because this company came in and decided, yep, this is it. It's like, oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> it yeah, just, it's it, like it overnight everything. people. Yeah, overnight people are wanting to like build businesses there. So like, yeah, like basically i think they say like an hour around columbus like anywhere within that vicinity or even a two-hour radius almost they like they want to put as much as they can like corporations from all over like hey i want to build my business there now because so-and-so is building their business and they think it's going to generate wealth and higher paying jobs and more people spending money so like that hub is definitely it's definitely growing and the people living there like we have a lot of like elderly people that were in that community that couldn't afford to live there anymore because the taxes are going up so then they're having to try to find, they're having to move farther out. So it's like more people move in, the people that were currently there, you could tell are like moving out. Um, if you're, if they were like a generational, like generational farmer who like already had like another job with that on the side, you know, they're going to be there for as long as they could want. Um, but yeah, it's, 
So you definitely certain businesses that are succeeding and certain people are definitely, definitely hurting. I think you hear all about like the success stories in those communities, like, oh, like, you know, it's growing, there's more people moving in. You don't hear about like the hurt that it also caused to, which I think it's important to realize, like with every, with every positive, there's probably also a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, like the schools are overcrowding, you know, elderly people are hurting. Um, a lot of the like lower income housing is getting demolished. Um, because they know they can charge more or build something else or sell it. So I think there's always positives and negatives, but yeah, and when a big business comes to town, there's, there's definitely going to be some change that everybody's going to face. Wow. That's a crazy thing to have been able to witness. Like that just, <laughs> it's such a novel idea to me that that can happen in our society. You live in a place and you could have lived there for 50 or 80 years and then all of a sudden everything is different it's crazy to think yeah part part of me wants to like i told my husband like in five years i want to like fly back and just like go around the entire area and see how much it's changed because like we saw like we saw land just sit vacant for i mean as long as i can remember and it had a for sale sign the for sale signs like all worn out right it's like peeling off and you're like well that's never gonna sell and then like overnight they're all like clear cutting it everything is sold and it's just it's definitely mind blown. Like I know it happens in other parts of the world and something like you hear about, but you never actually got to experience. So it's kind of, it's cool to see like a transformation a town can be or a town can make, but it's also like a little shocking to like to witness it. So it'll be cool to go back. Yeah, for sure. Um, You should definitely look into, this is like a rabbit hole kind of, but you should look into Gary, Indiana or like the history behind Detroit because that's exactly what happened to them. Like they had a business come in and their town just boomed, but then unfortunately the business or the industry failed. And so there is just like so much vacated property there. Like hopefully that does not happen to Columbus. Yeah. It's just crazy to see that kind of stuff and how fast, like you said, kind of at the beginning, fast growth isn't always necessary sustainable growth. And it's, it's, important to balance that so that's a full circle moment there (laughs) yeah yeah well I just want to thank you so much for coming on today Krista and sharing your story with our listeners I think people can gain a lot from everything that you guys have gone through and learned as you've expanded Um, if people want to follow up with you learn more um, the opportunity to taste your products where can they find you um yes Hubby Rice Farms, um, Ohio.com. For now, we're keeping the basis um, until we get through our transition. And then um, you can follow along with us at Hubby Rice Beef um, on Instagram or Facebook. And yeah, we thank you for having me. I've had fun. <laughs> this is my, I, I should have prefaced by saying this. this is my first podcast by myself. So <laughs> um, hey, I probably went around in circles. <laughs> No, no, I thought you did a great job. So it worked out great. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much you for so having much. us. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or join the conversation on social media. Do you have a topic you would like to discuss or know someone with a story to share? Apply to be a guest on the podcast at farmingonpurpose.com. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, on your favorite social media platforms for more content by searching for Farming on Purpose. And remember, if you look around your table and aren't inspired by the people there, it's time to find a new seat.